Hook him up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Friday on the Horn. It's Friday on Ian Rod B. What does that make it, Rod? It's a freak flag, feel good, fake it till you make it. Ric Flair, woo! Football Friday edition of Hook 'em Up with Ian Rod B. Like that. That woo helps you, you know, get going in case you need some uh, energy boost. Just give a Ric Flair woo. It'll do it every time. Do it, well, does it every time. That uh, lady in the white boots was giving some Ric Flair ass whoopings. Yes, yeah, she night. was. She been watching. She been watching some Ric Flair. Some, some Ricky the, the Dragon uh, Steamboat or something. She was putting it on him. I'd let her whoop my ass. I would too. Yes, I would. I would be into that with her. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even. I'm, I'm with. I'm with. I didn't even see her face, but I just like her style. Can I give some credit to Brian on our text line because he he is now dubbed the uh, porta potty brawl. Very well done. The porta potty pugilist of Pittsburgh. Wow. <laughs> well done. I like that. Brilliant. Uh, Jacob Standard texted me yes or earlier and said the it's the Morgan Whalen fight. Oh, oh, oh yeah, because that was the concert they yeah, were at. Yeah, I know. I'm like, come on, ladies. I guess they weren't. I don't know. Like, I mean, I just know. I still need to know the the the, the genesis of the fight. Like, what what happened? That's the whole thing. That's why you who, keep watching it, like the Zapruder film. Yeah, You're like, like what happened? Like, who? How'd they get who that started round this? Up? Who finished yes. it? Who's on whose team? Yes, there definitely this, will be some some clarity because this thing is viral now. So, because I've convinced myself that maybe there's just one dude that's been like. Hitting up on all them girls. And then they're just all fighting. Eskimo Brothers is the reason this all went down? And a, yeah. And a couple got all caught up in it. Yeah, uh, there's no dude. There's one dude, but he was he's like a staff, like an employee of the looks well, like yeah, employee of the concert. I'm, I'm assuming they like had a, a concert member. like that. They had like yeah. ladies section, men's section. It's all, it's all ladies over there. It's all ladies, man. That I'm guy was like, I don't get paid enough to break this up. I'm going to hey, pull speak, the one girl off. He's probably right about of, that, too. Uh, relationships, can I play something for you, Rod? I wanted to play it in Bullish or BS, but we just have run out of time. Let's do it. And I need to put this out there because we're going to get a Rod's rant here coming up. We're going deep dive on Texas and Rice and right. uh, all of the college football weekend. Uh, Nebraska stole a victory last night, or Matt Rule's no. debut. They he snatched did. defeat from yeah. the draws of victory last night. Turnovers will kill you in the fourth quarter. Um, also, Utah beat up on Florida. And if you missed it earlier, it's official now. The ACC is adding SMU, Cal, and Stanford uh, to to make it an 18-team conference. But um, – so this is this is interesting. You, you're getting you're married now. I'm about to have a child. Yes, sir. Um, are, are you bullish or BS on this? Uh, listen to this. This is a, this is a guy who we have found an interesting way to propose to his fiance. Everyone, you know, I, I think keep it simple is the best way to go. Keep it romantic. Keep it intimate. Keep mm-hmm. it, uh, you know, thoughtful. Yeah. This guy decided to go a different direction. See if you like this. Is that Morgan Wallen? <laughs> Hi, I'm Yash, and I would love to propose to my girlfriend Ria at Auckland Airport. So it all started with an idea that I had, because knowing Ria, she's like full of life. So we've known each other for eight years, and we just clicked, and I knew that she is the one. Okay. All right, so there we go. So this guy, I thought we just had the audio of him. So apparently he, he, he was in the airport, the Auckland Airport, with his wife, fiance. And a, a a proposal announcement was played over. Uh-oh. Can we hear this? Played over the all airport PA. Attention, Ria Shukla. You're hearing my voice because I really need to talk to you. Every minute that we have spent together have been the most amazing moments of my <laughs> life. So I have something really important to ask you. 
Will you marry me? Yeah, so it was pretty right, there magical. We there we go. Is that you down wow. that? She liked it, obviously. I, uh, Maybe they travel together a lot. If the woman want, if the woman wants to marry you, no matter how cheesy and stupid your proposal is, she's gonna think it's amazing. That's the that's the best thing about it. if you're marrying the right one. She's 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 never gonna tell you until ten years later how cheesy your proposal idea. Even was. the guy that ran on the baseball field and got decked when he was getting on a knee. No, that woman loved. It. I tell you right now, that woman was in tears when she went to go get him and bail him out of jail, <laughs> and she was like, "Yes, honey, yes." If she if she loves you, it, that, it, it won't matter. Like the idea won't matter. But I agree. I wouldn't. Like I said, maybe they travel a lot. That's probably my wife would have hated me proposing to her at an airport because. She hates airports. Well, and, <laughs> so maybe and, they just like airports. Anything like mine, she, they don't like that whole attention thing. Like the, <clears throat> they don't want to be this middle of a spectacle. Oh, so not on the jumbotron? No, not on the jumbotron. Not gonna do that at a sporting event. No, she'd run. <laughs> don't want all cameras on. No, 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 no. Well, you got to know your you gotta, woman you too. You got to know. You got to know. You. If you don't know who you are marrying, then and they don't like your proposal idea, that may be a hint and a clue that y'all oh, don't need to get married because y'all don't know each other well 100% enough. Hundred percent true. <laughs> hey, uh, by the way, Longhorn Bears coming with the creativity on the uh, heels of the pugilist guy. Uh, why don't they rename the ACC the All Coast Conference? Oh, that's sexy. See? I like that. See. That's a boss hog move right there. Now we're thinking. That's bold. All I have, coast, baby. Coast to coast. By the way, I have been heard hearing rumors that the Big Big Ten, as we know it, which is now 18, oh, no. as of next year, they're considering just calling it the Big The Conference. Oh. Oh. Hand. The Conference. The Conference. Damn, they can't do that. That's going to be like checkmate on everybody else's name. Yeah. You can't call yourself the conference, like, and then what's everybody else going to do? It's I like, don't know. Well, we're this, we're the SEC Southeastern Conference, or we're a Big 12 Conference. Yeah, if you do that, Brett Yarmark is going to call the Big 12 something really, really crazy then. He's definitely not going to go back to it. You call the Big 10 the conference, when Brett Yarmark renames the Big 12, what is he going to call it? Specs text line 512 337 He's going to go wild. It's going to be something really crazy and wild. Well, I have all no Coast idea Conference what it's is pretty good. Because it's already ACC great. and you keep your branding. All Coast is that's really very good. good that is bear. real. That, I like that. Yeah. And that's, that's a little braggadocious. The conference is kind of annoying, but it's, it, it does trump all. Oh, that's a very elitist <laughs> way to describe your conference. The conference. Yeah. yeah I don't know. I like All Coast. All Coast is good. I what, don't know where you go yeah, after that. They would that. say it's the conference. Well, which conference? The, the conference. The <laughs> Conference, okay? The first and the last. That's all you need to know. The conference. I don't know. Okay. Everybody wants to rename. But you know what? I agree that maybe they should rename things because... Now uh, there's going to be clarity of uh, yes. Now we know the, the top sixty-eight. Yeah, like you say, now we know exactly what the kind of the identity of these conferences will be. Um, you know the markets that they're going to be tapped into. So maybe now you can actually kind of re- you can rename them if you want to. I mean, something tells me the SEC won't rename anything because they're the SEC. They're like, no, we've been the best damn uh, conference exactly for college football right. in the in in, in the last twenty like the thirty SEC years. The SEC has the brand, <laughs> yes. That ever like they are the brand mm-hmm. of college football right now, uh, and maybe college athletics as it grows. But so yeah, that, they, oh, they yeah, don't have right. to change. I don't think. No, Big Ten can be the conference. SEC is the SEC. Um, everybody just knows what that is. Uh, I, I do like the idea of Brett Yormark and the Big Twelve going to Southwest Conference. Now I know they have schools at UCF and Cincinnati. But it would, no, let's not get too crazy here. Uh, but, you know, the Southwest Conference, hmm. which people love. That's old school. That is old school. That's a throwback. The that SWC. People would like that. People would like that. No, what do you have to do? Do you have to go, like, purchase the rights to all that stuff? I imagine somebody owns that. 
some some company owns Southwest Conference or something like that. But I'm sure that wouldn't be a big deal. And who knows? I don't know. Maybe you can. That's, that's my new official. You can use all that stuff. Push the conference, the SEC, the All Coast Conference, the, uh, the Southwest Conference. But Thank you very much. instead of Southwest is one word, it could be South Dash West. Ooh. Ah. Ooh. You probably wouldn't even have to deal with the. Oh yeah, the copyright, copy, copyright stuff. stuff. You yeah, that way. That's true. All right, before we get into a Rod's rant, and uh, got some great sound for you before the end of this hour, Rod, we're going to play Who Said That? Who Said That? Who Said It? He said it on this radio station just yesterday, too, as a matter of fact. Uh Uh, Who Said That before the end of the hour? Uh, But uh, before we go to Rod's rant, let me mention our great friends at Straight Music. Straight Music is the best. Uh, What's better than the live music capital of the world and a family-owned music shop that's been doing this for 60 years, since 1963. That's how the straight music family and straight music rolls. Uh, We know in this area there's so much talent, so many creative people, so many great musicians. I mean, there's like, like, you know, Jimmy Vaughn is going to be playing at Seaboy's Heart and Soul. The guy's a legend. He's playing tonight down at Seaboy's. Well, you know, he's a shopper at Straight Music. A lot of these these musicians get all of their guitar strings and everything they need uh, to put on great music at Straight Music. So it's at the highest level, but also beginners and uh, novice musicians trying to learn uh, an instrument. Straight Music is your spot as well to bring you in in the Straight School of Music. And we talk about that. Uh, wonderful opportunity for your youngster to rent an instrument on their way to learning an instrument. Um, that's a, it's a great opportunity there with the no interest monthly payments that move towards the purchase of that instrument. There's just so many reasons. It's, that, it's amazing customer service, taking care of you in any instrument, any effect, any pro audio, anything you need for your band or for the orchestra or for your own band or for your orchestra. Uh, do it at Straight Music. S-T-R-A-I-T-Music.com, the new location in Westlake, right there at BKs and Walsh Charlton, their flagship store now. Also the one out by Lakeline Mall. Online at straightmusic.com. It's where customers become friends. All right, let's go to Rod's rant. Let's do it. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, you've got it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, uh, I want to get back to talking about that, that Rice offense versus the Texas defense. And one thing I brought up yesterday that I would be very disappointed if I did not see uh, Texas have a lot of takeaways or at least have two to three takeaways versus Rice. Last season, Rice actually led college football in turnovers. They had 32 of them last season, 20 interceptions. Uh, that is the second most interceptions for any quarterback uh, group in the country. So they throw a lot of picks. And if you're in Texas, they'll have a different quarterback in JT Daniels. Should provide some stability at the quarterback position. But overall, this is an offense that turned the ball over more than anybody else in college football last year. The emphasis for Texas in the offseason has been taking the football away. They've been doing that really well, especially in the last uh, two scrimmages uh, that they had. So I do think if Texas can, you know, if they're focusing, emphasizing takeaways, they should be able to get at least two takeaways. I mean, last season, uh, Rice uh, had on average 2.46 turnovers per game. I think in this matchup, considering the talent gap between the two, you should expect Texas to get at least two takeaways. If they don't get at least two takeaways, we may be dealing with a defense that's not as opportunistic as we would have hoped. Remember last year, they went ninth in the Big 12 in takeaways. Um, that's a problem. You want to be, in terms of turnover margin, Texas was fifth in turnover margin. Um, that's because they were first, actually. 
They were first, tied for first, I should say, in the fewest giveaways, in the fewest turnovers offensively. Um, but when you put those two stats together, that puts Texas right in the middle of the Big 12 in turnover margin. They want to be in the top three in turnover margin in the Big 12. Um, but getting back to the Rice matchup here, Luke McCaffrey. Got to watch out for this guy. It, it, trust me, he will be their, their featured offensive weapon. They'll put him in Wildcat. They'll put him in the backfield. They'll uh, you know, try to hide him in empty formation. They will force feed Luke McCaffrey the football at all costs. He's in the slot 70% of the time. Um, so he's not out wide that much, but he only works the middle of the field, really. 83% of his targets are 19 yards or less, so he doesn't go deep a ton, but we've seen him go deep a few times. But in between the numbers, we're talking about in between the numbers, short intermediate and deep so short would be zero to 10 yards intermediate 10 to 19 and deep is anything 20 yards or more if you look at in between the numbers 70 plus percent of all of his targets are in between the numbers in the short intermediate and deep his pro football focus grades when target in between the numbers are 92 out of 100 91.2 out of 100 and 90.7 out of 100 uh he's really good work in the middle like Aaliyah and rock the boat he's gonna work the middle of the field and when um he is working the short middle of the field that in between the numbers he runs a lot of shallow drag routes underneath and they use you know shallow draggers to try to pick off and rub off defensive backs that's when he's really good. He's got 12 forced missed tackles just on catches in the short intermediate area in between the numbers because he's able to get the ball uh, in space, catch it on the run, and then break a tackle and turn a small gain into what ends up being an explosive play. So Texas will be able to, to bracket him because he plays in the slot a lot. So I think Texas is probably going to double-team him. They'll put Jade Barron on him if he's in the slot. That's Texas's. You know, best defensive back, in my opinion, um, right now. Uh, but, you know, Jalen Catalan, they got some good players. But in that slot, I trust Jade Barron, even one-on-one with Luke McCaffrey. But I think they're going to bracket him just because he's the only true weapon. They lost Bradley Rosner, 6'5", target to North Carolina State. Isaiah Esdale graduated as as well as Cedric Patterson. They were veteran wide receivers for Rice last season who made a lot of plays. Really the only proven commodity they have in the wide receiving room right now is Luke McCaffrey. They brought in some guys via the transfer portal, but he's the guy. Based on everything I watch, they want to get him the football. He was a former quarterback too, so I can almost guarantee you, and I saw it in the Southern Miss game actually. They tried a double pass. They have another receiver named Giovanni Johnson, also former quarterback who's now playing receiver. I would put money on it if I could, and I, I, would, I would also advise Ty to do it if he could. They're going to throw a double pass in this game. They got two wide receivers that used to play quarterback, and uh, Luke McCaffrey, like I said, he's their main weapon. I'd put money on it. You're going to see a double pass. Remember, we saw it versus UTSA early on, and it worked. Why does it? Why do passes like that work against Texas? Because Texas is a fast flow defense. They're extremely fast to the football. Their pursuit is elite, and you can use that against Texas. You can use that against Texas with throwback screens, double passes, double moves, hitch and go, slant goes. Think about Jade Barron himself and how aggressive Jade Barron is. Eleven and a half tackles for loss last season because he read and reacts and does not. He it has no fear in his game. And he does not hesitate. You can use that aggressiveness against them. With a little misdirection, double passes, split flow, hitch and go, stalk, block and go. I think you may see some of that versus Rice. 
um, just to try to you know get a big play against Texas and maybe force them to be a little less aggressive because they're gonna be really aggressive early on, very aggressive. Why? Because they, you know, man, they've been practicing against each other all off season. They're ready to hit somebody that has a different color jersey on. You can use that against them a little bit. Yeah, you can use that. I think early on you can, not through as the game goes on. They'll wear rice down. But I'm talking. This is all basically first quarter stuff. After the first quarter, honestly, Texas will have their way with rice. <laughs> they should. But the first quarter, if you're rice, you got a chance to make a couple of plays and keep a a drive Heck, alive. How about, or two uh, versus Texas, Utah last night, seventy yard bomb on the first play. Yes, if I'm rice, that's kind of what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, like I'm thinking something like that, a double well, pass. Well, because I mean, on. Florida's, you know. You know, had a, had a had a tough travel week because of the hurricane. They got to, mm-hmm. they left on Wednesday and stayed in Dallas. It's been a mess. Uh, but also, you're preparing for Cam Rising, or not preparing. You're preparing for a backup quarterback, and in your mind's eye, you're thinking, okay, they're going to be careful with him. Yep, run bring rock. it slowly, and what they do? Boom! Break tendency. Post route. Up over break the top. tendency. Yeah, yep, on big plays. So that that's something to watch. Another quick thing to watch uh, offensively. Um, I talked about how Luke McCaffrey loves to work the middle of the field. Last year, that was actually a problem area for Texas. Um, I looked at routes in the middle of the field. We're talking about in between the numbers, 0 to 19 yards. So not deep, but just short, intermediate, in between the numbers. Guys, K-State, they just they killed Texas in that area. They had an 80% completion percentage, over 241 yards uh, in between the numbers. Iowa State, same thing, 88% completion percentage in between the numbers, short to intermediate last season, uh, over 200 yards passing. Texas Tech, same thing, 84% completion percentage uh, targeting that area, 189 yards and a touchdown. That was a problem area for Texas. That is a strength all right, in the passing game for Rice. So you definitely want to watch that. Also, I'm talking about Rice opening up the run game by utilizing the pass early on. I'm not talking about vertical passes, people. I'm talking about quick passes because their offensive line can't hold up with five to seven step drops. We're talking about the quick game. And the most uh, successful and effective quick game versus Texas DBs last year, slant routes. For some reason, the most violated uh, defensive rule uh, for Texas defense last year was inside leverage. I don't know why they could not, you know, master inside leverage. I don't know why they wouldn't emphasize it, but you can get inside, at least last season, on Texas DBs. Slant routes alone, just slant routes. Last season, Texas opponents completed 66% of their slant routes, all right, 6.9 yards per attempt, over 40% first down and touchdown rate. Over 40% Dang. of your slants you targeted ended up being a touchdown or a first down. That's a problem. And I guarantee you Rice saw the same film, and they want to throw slants. They want to throw quick game glance routes, which are basically skinny post, the tag of an RPO, and Rice wants to run a lot of RPO. Man, you had over 70% completion percentage. All right? And so I think those inside cuts, Texas has to guard against it. If they're going to play man, you got to make sure you overemphasize the inside leverage because that's the only thing I think Rice can really get open on Texas on. They're not going to get over the top on Texas. They're not completing deep post routes on Texas, in my opinion. They're going to be able to complete the quick game only if Texas is going to give them that quick game. Good stuff, Rod Babers. Here's uh, Coach 66. Says, damn, Rod, you're killing me with all this numbers. Great stuff. Great stuff. Appreciate you, Coach. Hey, man. Uh, that is good stuff. Hey, coming back, we're going to hit, you know where we are, Rod. It's Friday, which oh. makes it a freak flag. Feel good. Fake it till you make it. Rick Flair. It also Football means Friday. we are at number one in our <gasps> Ian Rod B. Horn Top 20 no mystery countdown. There. No mystery. No mystery, but we'll get some intel. We're going to talk with uh, Ryan Curley. Works. How about this name of this uh, publication? Dog Post.
<laughs> D-A-W-G. Simple and post. to the point. Hey. Dog post. Dog post. The conference. <laughs> Dog post. <laughs> We've got that. Also, before the end of the hour, a little round of who said that. Who said that? There we go. Yeah, that is the fight song of the number one team in the Ian Rod B. Horn Top 20 countdown. You could have probably guessed who it is. The two-time defending champion Georgia Bulldogs. And the question is, uh, why won't? Why will they win a national championship? It's uh, why won't they is the big question. Three in and, a row. And we're going to explore that uh, with an expert in the field here coming up. Also, Rod, before we get to the top of the hour, i got to be uh, if I were the czar of college football, based on this morning's uh, news from the Atlantic Coast Conference, I'd have a suggestion. What is it? Well, so now that we're at 68 teams, mm-hmm. I don't think we go above 68 teams. I, don't, I can't make a case for Washington State and uh, Oregon State at this point. I don't think, I think they're going to melt mold into the, and, uh, the G, the group of whatever group it becomes. Of six. Yeah, whatever group of the six. Group we have a group of four now, yeah. and then we have a group of six. And they'll end up in the Mountain West and, you know, Boise State. And that'll be a pretty good conference. And they'll, they'll be football. on yeah. they'll get on ESPN and Fox. They'll be that late-night programming. Uh, ACC, of course, adding those three. Would you be okay? And I, I know the old NFLification of college football. What if we made it to where the 68 teams within the 68 can only play each other? Well, so your non, non-conference scheduling needs to be – Another team from one of the other group of four conferences. Well, that's or, or maybe at least two each year, and then one group of six conference game. It's not mandatory, but and I like the suggestion. It's not mandatory, but it's already happening uh, organically because yeah. of schools now like Texas who want because of the college football playoff expansion, which is coming, we're right. going from four to twelve, and they know it's all about you know your your schedule and you can still recover from some of those early season losses, but if you have those big time matchups early on your schedule, not only is it good for the fans because Longhorn fans love these matchups with these traditional blue blood powers, but also I think it helps you, helps to boost your case for making it into that college football playoff if you don't get blown out. Now, if you keep, even if you keep it close to one of those blue bloods, usually it helps you rather than hurts well, sure. you down I mean, the line. And there's, there's 68 teams, right? So you, you got to build a schedule around that. Yeah. And I'll say this. I heard, I was listening to the Rich Eisen show yesterday here on the Horn, and Kirk Ferentz, the Iowa coach, was on there, and they were talking about NIL and the transfer portal. And he said, you know, if I were a, a smaller school these days, if I was a group of, you know, a small uh, a division down, I wouldn't play up because it just gives the, those schools a chance to see my best players up mm. close and study them on film. Because I know I'm going to get poached immediately. Yeah. So that guy has all conference season. Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm poaching. I mean, you, may, you may have one <laughs> great player on your team that helps you win your conference at that level, but you play a, a, a blue, you know, a top team, and all of a sudden, oh man, I like that tight end. He's really good, or that that tackle's better than this level, and we're going to go get him. Uh, that was at least Kirk Ferentz's suggestion. I just think if you're going to go to 68 and then the group of six, just play within your conference. Just play within your 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 grade level. I like that, Rod. No, I'm with you. I like All that. All right, let's go to the Vaqueros hotline. We're at number one in the countdown. We just played the fight song. The Georgia Bulldogs are the two-time defending champs and number one again. Let's get some intel from uh, a man who covers this team like nobody's business at Dog Post. I love the name. It's Ryan Curley with us on the Vaqueros hotline. Uh, I love Dog Post as a name. What's up, Ryan? Hey, guys, how are you doing? Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate you. Thanks for you. doing it. Hey, I'll start with that. That's a kind of a big macro question. I mean, 
Uh, and we can talk about why will Georgia win a third national championship. What is uh, what would you say? What if they don't? Why will be the reason in your mind? Well, I I think it could just be, you know, getting to the end of the year and you kind of get to a tough schedule towards the end there with Tennessee and Ole Miss and, you know, with all the turnover, there's some injuries with this team. You got some thin rooms, according to Kirby, the running back room, the wide receiver room. So Georgia's dealing with some injuries right now. But when you look at this schedule, it looks like they're going to be 12-0. and It's really hard to find those reasons. Right. That's kind yeah. of my thought. I mean, because when you look at the schedule and then, you know, Rod, you and I went mm. through the biggest games of the year, the big, you know, Penn State, Michigan, Penn State, Ohio mm-hmm. State, LSU, Alabama. Georgia's not playing any, though. Outside of Tennessee, they're not they, – yeah. the, the schedule makers were very favorable to them, Rod Babers. Uh, and, and let me ask you this about, you know, Georgia and the quarterback that is going to start for them now. Uh, you know, moving on, obviously, uh, from their uh, national championship, uh, back-to-back national championship campaigns, uh, and having, you know, stability at the quarterback position was really big for Georgia. Uh, what are your thoughts about the new starter for, for the for the Dawgs? Yeah, look, it, I, I don't think there's any secret. Georgia's going to miss Stetson Bennett. I mean, he was – he was beyond football, right? We're talking about a major college football celebrity. But Carson Beck is a guy who, this is his fourth year in the program. He's been around during all of this success. At one point, he almost started for Georgia. When you go back to 2021, Stetson Bennett, when he got his first real chance in 2021, and he throws five touchdowns against UAB, everyone thought it was going to be Carson Beck in that game to fill in for JT Daniels. So this is a guy that's been close to starting for years. Um, He's experienced. He's poised. He understands the program. And, look, Georgia's got a little bit of a, br- a blueprint. I-, I don't think the transition from Stetson Bennett to Carson Beck is going to be that seamless. Yeah, uh, and that's it. Inter- it's going to be that rough. I think it'll be seamless. I love it. Hey, um, the is it fair to say that, you know, the reason they're so heavily favored, and you mentioned the schedule, uh, but, you know, last year's team was actually one of the – because kind of the young team, right? Because the year two years ago they were so dominant on defense and so many of those guys, I think it was 15, got drafted into the NFL. So last year might have been the year to get Georgia. Are they back to where, you know, that, that pipeline of four- and five-star players are now more experienced and it'll be back maybe to shades of what we saw two years ago? Well, I, I think that Kirby Smart has started to really build the machine over there where where they pump it. It's it's next man up. They are going after and, and building and developing capable football players that they feel like they can step on the field. You talk to their players, they all think that their two or three deep can beat a lot of teams. So they it starts on the recruiting trail and, and them getting the right players and all those talented players to um, to get to Athens and – they're just more talented than most, if not all, these teams, and especially on that 12-game schedule. That's interesting, Ryan. I, I want to piggyback on what you just talked about. I was doing some research about uh, really just the most – fertile recruiting grounds in the country and uh, looking at the different metroplexes around the country. Um, And I found that that Atlanta metroplex has produced more NFL players since 2020 than any other metroplex in the country, LA, DFW, Miami. Uh, Is, is, is that a a team for Georgia? Is it mostly homegrown talent there from Atlanta area we're talking about? Yeah, so Kirby and the staff, they, they go after as many of those, um, you know, Atlanta, Metro Atlanta kids that they can. But, they've you know, they've started to go national. Look at, look at the last few years. They went to, you know, Washington and get Keely Ringo. And, and you go out to Vegas and those places, and 
California, you got Kendall Milton, who's going to be one of the starting running backs for Georgia this year. So they they leave no stone no stone unturned. That's what Kirby Smart said the other day is that they leave no stone unturned in recruiting. But the Atlanta metro area is is full of talent right now. You know, Alabama's picked out a couple of those players. Some of them go across the country, but there's so many players Georgia can can get who they want and need from Atlanta. But they've they've gone national as far as recruiting goes as well. It's it's not just in the state, but the state is in a really good place as far as talent goes. Yeah, shore up as much of that as you can, and then go national with all the success. Uh, Brock Bowers is a California kid, correct? Tell me how good this uh, this tight end is. I mean, there's people talking about him as a Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, what makes Brock Bowers so special? Uh, it's, I mean, it's almost everything. It's the work ethic. It's the athletic ability. It's the speed. It's the hands. I mean, he, he checks almost every box. And, I mean, he's one of the premier weapons in college football. I think if you were going to make a list, it has to start with Brock Bowers and Marvin Harrison Jr. He's, he's the best tight end in college football. I, you know, I don't think it's crazy to say he's going to win the Mackey again. Yeah, back-to-back at that award for tight ends, Ron. Um, So much talent there uh, with Georgia. You talked, they've been stockpiling talent as well as anybody in the country, better than anybody in the country, for the last five years or so. Um, Who is the... Uh, the the freakish athlete or the the standout breakout performer that is going to happen next year that nobody's talking about. Oh, uh, you could you could name a couple different guys yeah. for those. If we're talking about freak athletes, um, a player that that you guys need to know about is the right tackle, Marius Mims. We're talking about a guy who's you know six seven six eight in the three hundred thirty pound <laughs> range. Can run a, almost twenty miles per hour at, at the right tackle position. Hold so up, what? That's, that's an athlete that you should. And also, <laughs> you know, he fits in that breakout category as well because you know the only starts he's had in his career were during the college football playoff last year. Oh, that's Good a bit. Lord. That's uh, six, seven, six, eight. You say was running close to four, uh, close to twenty miles per hour. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, it's unreal. He, he is. <laughs> He's an he's Amarius, for freakiest athlete. What about on the defensive oh, side? Man. Amarius Mims, right tackle, Georgia, one to watch. I don't know if he's ever going to get get up to full speed, maybe chasing a screen pass or something down the field or an interception going the other way. What uh, What about on defense? I mean, gosh, they just churned defensive prospects into the NFL, uh, but some of those top names are gone. But just a slew of young talent. Who are the guys that we're going to see sparkling for that Will Muschamp defense? Yeah, well, I I feel pretty firmly in saying this, that Georgia probably has the best linebacker duo in college football between Jamon Dumas-Johnson and Smile Mondin. But I think you can move back into the secondary, and you can make the argument that they also have the best safety duo between Javon Bullard and Malachi Starks. Javon Bullard um, broke out towards the end of the year last year with three turnovers forced in the, um, in the college football playoff, some key sacks, so... They've got guys all over the place. Uh, a player that can really break out on the defensive line is, is Michael Williams. He'll be a sophomore edge rusher. That's the thing with George is I think that defense is going to be fast and, and deep again. It, it could be a number of guys, but that linebacker room and that safety room is legit. Yeah, great names, too. I love that. Malachi Starks. Uh, Javon Bullard on the back end, and yeah, those two linebackers uh, unmatched. Hey, I want to ask a, a local question here because A.D. Mitchell has had a great spring and into fall camp now, and Xavier Worthy is the, the main target here in Austin for Quinn Ewers, but A.D. Mitchell is pushing him for that uh, that, mon- that, that, uh, that label. Uh, what, what are the Longhorn fans going to see in, uh, in a kid like A.D. Mitchell who's come back to where he grew up? 
I mean, you're seeing a guy that, that makes the catch whenever the catch is needed, right? A yeah. touchdown in all four of the college football playoff games he's played in. The game winner in the Alabama national in the game against Alabama national championship, the game winning touchdown against Ohio State. He's a very talented receiver. He's got short hands. Didn't really play a lot of football in Athens due to injuries and everything. But you know, going back home, I mean, he's going to be a huge weapon for Quinn Ewers. Um, he he can go up and get the ball. Yeah, we've seen that. Uh, high point the ball. That's something Texas was looking for, Rod, was somebody who can win those contested catches. That's not Xavier Worthy's strength. He's the speed, quick guy, uh, but someone who can win those 50-50 balls. That's uh, that's A.D. Mitchell. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, Texas, uh, there's been a lot of buzz about him here, and he's actually been the uh, kind of standout performer so far in training camp, so a lot of buzz about him. Uh, let me ask you one more uh, question before we uh, let you go. I want to ask you about the uh, the wide receivers. We're talking about A.D. Mitchell leaving. Uh, was part of the reason he left is because Georgia's got plenty of targets at wide receiver for their new starting quarterback, Carson Beck? Well, Georgia, I mean, if you ask Kirby Smart, he thinks that they're thin a wide receiver. I think that Georgia has a diversity in different types of weapons. They've got speedsters they've got shifty guys they've got guys like Brock Bowers that they can and throw up and get it so I think Carson Beck will have plenty of different types of weapons to throw to whether all of them are super experienced or not but A.D. Mitchell would have been right there at the top for you know wide receiver one or wide receiver two if he stayed in Athens all right. Hey, Ryan, that's we crazy. appreciate it. Ryan Curley, that's good stuff right there. We'll keep the number. Obviously, George will have some big games this year. He is. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Ryan, Cur- uh, Ryan C. Curley, K-E-R-L-E-Y. And uh, he is uh, with the dog post, D-A-W-G underscore post on Twitter as well. Hey, Ryan, thanks so much, my friend. Appreciate the preview. Georgia at number one. Schedule is favorable. Loaded with talent. Uh, go ahead and pencil them in at least to the national championship final four. Uh, thank you, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Have a good one. Right, there you yeah. go. Ryan Curley. Oh, man. man th- they opened their se- season, by the way, with uh, UT Martin. I cannot believe he yeah. said they had a tackle 6'7", six, 6'8", six, that got clocked at 20 miles per hour. Nearly 20 miles per hour. Nearly 20 miles That's still miles ridiculous. Yeah, but Arch, what did they say? He ran 25 miles an hour? No, 20, <laughs> 20, 20, 20, 20, 20. Yeah, that's a good point. Too. Yeah, if he were throwing that around a lot, we I need to see these numbers. I would love to see these actual uh, the GPS monitors they have. And they might be a little hot. A little hot. Like you know yeah, it's like, a, it's like a radar gun in baseball. Yeah, they Sometimes could be running a little, a little hot, man. Yeah. Come on. Uh, Amarius Mims, six seven three thirty out of uh, Cochran, Georgia. Yeah, that dude's running over fifteen miles per hour. It's impressive. <laughs> well, we'll get to see him at the combine. It's eventually because yeah, that right. dude is only a, a junior. He's a junior. Yeah, they've been manager. stockpiling so much talent there. And you're right; they they, they don't even have a lot of uh, like named and known, recognizable superstars. Well, probably Brock Bowers that. is probably that one guy. And that's amazing. And he's a he's a put-your-head-down-and-go-to-work guy. Lunch yeah, yep. And th- that's, to me, of all the things you can credit Kirby Smart for, you know, he has built a program that is as good as any and as good as any we've seen in a long time. And there really isn't a lot of individual star power names, no. right? I mean, they just, they're just they just a team. They're they just get, a monster. But they all, You know when their time for individual achievement is? When they get drafted. Because right. they all get drafted. <laughs> so that's probably why he's like, no, guys, just buy in. Because you'll have your time to shine. You'll get your 15 minutes of fame. And it'll be just when everybody is watching in the NFL draft. So, yeah. Because they, right, the Philadelphia well, Eagles, if you're a defender on Georgia's team, there's a good chance the Philadelphia Eagles are already looking at you. <laughs> yeah. Well, think about what he said about A.D. Mitchell. And, yes, A.D. had some injuries there. 
but you know, on, on a two on a two time national championship team where he caught touchdown passes in the four biggest games, he didn't play much. He wasn't like, it's amazing. And now he comes here, and it's like, man, dude, this guy's unbelievable. That just kind of goes to tell you the level of talent George is playing with because they got good players, all like really good players. All over the and field. he said that Ad Mitchell would have competed for wide receiver one or two. There. Well, Lad McConkey's their their the the like why did Ad Mitchell? He might have left. Great White Hope is their their best receiver. I've heard he wanted to be close to his daughter. Yes, is his daughter or son? I mean, his kid. She's from I, Dallas. I, I, She's from I, Dallas. She lives in Dallas. He, it's his, his daughter, right? Yeah. So I think and obviously that's a big part of it. Well, but, and he wants man. to go to the NFL, and uh, you know the wide receiver coach that he works out with, the personal coach is in Dallas, mm-hmm. where his daughter was. Okay. And so because remember he went to he went to high school up in Tennessee, but he he grew up in down in the Sugarland area, uh, Missouri City, I believe. Okay. And so, you know, getting back closer to home and to play in an offense that's going to feature him, right? And that offense features the run game, Brock Bowers, and the defense, right? right. This group will – Sark will throw on the ball. Oh, Sark you, will you know, You know, Sark likes the aesthetically pleasing offense. He wants to make sure it's uh, sexy. A.D. Mitchell can make it more aesthetically pleasing. The one-handed catch in the spring game still stands out as a, well, a snatch. You got to – well, they need, they need threats that are going to make life easier on Xavier Worthy, guys like J.T. Sanders, and that's what A.D. Mitchell is going to do – because they, you got to make a, a tough choice against Texas these days, whether you're going to double X-Man, double JT Sanders, or you're going to stack the box to stop the run. I think most people are going to let Texas run the football and, and double-team X-Man and double-team JT Sanders. That means A.D. Mitchell, Jay Witt, all those guys get one-on-one coverage. Absolutely. That's let's, scary. <laughs> let's come back with a fun Friday game of Who Said That? Aaron Hogan. You just got to keep living, man. Rod Babers. L-I-V-I-N. E and Rod B. On the horn. Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? where we play sound for one who another, Rod and I, and we try to guess who that is. A lot of times we already know because who it's obvious, but that? it's just a good piece of sound. Sometimes, like yesterday, I got stumped. I got stumped by Rod Babers. Happens every now and then. It does happen. I have a piece for you, Rod. Here we go. This up. was uh, one of the big storylines of the NFL this offseason so far and into training camp. Let's hear it. Uh, who is this uh, speaking about uh, a dramatic situation they're dealing with in their locker room? All right, so now let's let's address the elephant, um, Jonathan, because I want to I want to I want to talk, and I want y'all to you know hear it because I know you're going to have questions. Just so y'all know, and I want everybody to know, Jonathan is a well-respected and a and a really good human being and a damn good football player. I think we all know this. All right. Um, Things like this happen. I tell every rookie that comes in, there's going to be a point when we disagree. And it's usually about money. And it's going to be hard. And just know that doesn't change my care level for you. I care deeply for Jonathan Taylor. I have great respect for Jonathan Taylor. Um, Our relationship, I would tell you, is, look, even when it gets hard, I, I, won't, I won't quit on the relationship, won't do it. I think too much of the young man. I think too much of what he's given our organization and how hard he's played for us. And what sucks, I mean, the situation sucks. I'm not going to sit here and give you some rosy picture like, oh, this is just, everything's okay. No, it sucks. It sucks for the Colts. 
It sucks for Jonathan Taylor, and it sucks for our fans. All right. I like that. That was passionate. Who said that, Rod? I think it was Chris Ballard. Yeah, that's the GM, Chris Ballard. Yeah, um, he's and I, I love the message. You know that. I mean, it's just business. Personally, he's fantastic, and I, you know, I love him as a uh, you know a member of the team, um, and he's a great person. But it's about business, and business sometimes gets messy. Yeah, and messy. that was not Jim Irsay. I don't think you'd hear Jim Irsay. No, that passionate, <laughs> but it does suck. Uh, what do you got for me, Rod? Uh, all right, we got a little piece here, um, and this is just a college coach um, talking about how. Arms. Oops. Oh, no, no, it's, it's college coach. We got this ready, uh, Ty. Just talking about how he wants to, he has a goal for his athletic program. Okay. I want to be so dominant here. I mean, we're going to be so dominant. They're going to pack the stadium. We're going to sell out all our apparel. We're going to do this. We're going to be on television. We're going to make so much. Yeah. 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 We, we're going to command so much revenue for this university that we're going to add a baseball team. Yeah. Man. We, oh, that's, that's Dion, dream. baby. Bring back the baseball that's, team. That's the dream. That's that, the goal. Calling the shot. I love that. We want to make so much money they can bring back the baseball team. You're going to know who this is. This is your two voices you're going to hear, but it's a great story that I heard yesterday on the Rich Eisen program on this radio station, which, by the way, if you're not listening to that from 2 to 5 every day. He does a great job. I mean, gosh, the guest lineup every yeah, day is just uh, lock it in. Here we go. Do we have uh, – I could never get off the line of scrimmage against Mel Blunt. I've, I've, that guy was – not only was he big and fast, but his arms felt like they were like eight feet long, each one of them. We played them, I want to say, week two or three of my rookie year. Kenny Anderson um, calling a slant. I'm thinking – I got to take about five steps up here and turn left and run right into where Jack Lambert's going to be. And I was Ooh. like, come on now, don't be afraid. You're an NFL player now. I said, I, I might catch this thing and run right over Jack Lambert. Here we go. And I jump off about four or five steps up the field, take a hard left, run right in towards Jack Lambert. And that sucker hit me so hard. <laughs> <laughs> and he's lying on top of me. And he took his elbow and he put it down into my throat. And he raised his knee up into my groin, and he grabbed my face mask, and he looked at me, and he said, Collinsworth, if you ever come over the middle again, I'm going to kill you. I come <laughs> staggering to my feet, you know, and I'm waddling back over to the to the, my huddle, and I got this big smile on my face. And Anthony Boone our great all-pro, looked at me and said, what the heck you smiled about? Jack Lambert almost killed you over there. I said, I know, but he knew my name, man. Jack- <laughs> <laughs> That's a great line. That's good. Chris Collinsworth. Yeah, Chris that, Collinsworth. That's fantastic. Yeah. That is great. And I was thinking about that with you, Rod, with <laughs> Mel Blunt. I mean, that defense, oh, and I man. know those before free agency, and you could just stockpile great players, but, man, Mel Blunt, Jack Ham, Jack Lambert, Mean Joe Green. Mm. Mel Blunt was something. I remember him growing up when oh, I was man. in when Northeast Houston, um, Northeast Houston, Northeast Ohio, right? O'Hacker and Ohio, the mean streets. Mean streets, baby. Uh, my brother was a big Steelers fan because he was contrarian to my dad. Anything my dad liked, he hated. <laughs> Teenagers? Teenagers. Yeah. Well, he was eight. That's how my brother oh, was yeah. at eight. <laughs> Didn't matter. Before the Steelers. <laughs> before it. He was a challenge. Rick was an independent challenge. <laughs> but he, um, he loved the Steelers, and so we used to see the Steelers games. And I mean, Mel Blunt, bald. 
That might, that's one of the best underrated corners that have ever played the game. Though. Oh yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and they, he would. You heard he would just maul maul rece- people. Yeah, he would just maul receivers, man. He really that would. was back when it was he and then Lester Hayes. Ooh, Lester the molester. That's the only time molester was actually a nickname given and in compliment for a complimentary reason. <laughs> and now you can't even touch the dudes. That's why cornerbacks so hard, Rod. Well, you can't molest anymore, so you can't do that. Nestor can't even Cortez touch. is Nestor the molester as well. Who is? Nestor Cortez, a pitcher, pitcher for the, the Yankees. Yankees. Oh, really? They call him that, too? Yes. E- even this day and age? I thought that was that was politically incorrect. It's New York. Uh, <laughs> yes, right. Nestor. He should I've uh, got some more sound for Rod that. coming back, and it happens to be a good friend of his. Oh, what? Responding to criticism, maybe, from one of his former quarterbacks. Oh, I think I know what this is about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, Rod, he knew my name. He knew my name. Collinsworth out of Florida. Hey, I feel him on that, man. He knew my name. <laughs> <laughs> Might have got burnt for a touchdown, but he knew who I was. <laughs> he said, see you, babers. We'll be back for the fabulous fifth hour.